Welcome to our Thursday night uh, Zen Drop live call. Good to see everyone here joining again. Uh, a lot of familiar names, which I love. We're getting a nice community feel here on these calls. Can everyone hear me all right? Just give me a, a one in the chat box. Let me make sure I got the chat box here. All right. And where are you guys calling in from tonight? We got a two. I didn't ask for twos. I'm just asking for ones, guys. Where's everyone calling in from? Got Florida, Milwaukee, New Jersey. Got the UK, Texas, Melbourne. Well, happy holiday, guys. Happy holidays. I hope everyone's got some good plans, see some family, catch up with their loved ones. Hopefully COVID and the pandemic's not hindering anyone from seeing their families this holiday season. I know I'm going home uh, next week and I'm excited to see everyone. I have not been able to see everyone in a while, so excited for that. Uh, let's see. Hope everyone's week is getting started off well. Um, so Zen Drop Live, if you haven't been on before, we have a few different formats that we do this in. Uh, tonight, we're doing a Q&A, so you guys can ask questions. We'll answer them. We've got some questions already compiled from before the call in a type form, so we got some good stuff. And we call people up live. So if you want to jump up here, if you want to ask questions, you want to jump on Zoom, you just raise your hand and, uh, and we'll call you up here and we can talk about it. Um, my name is Jared. If you don't know me, we have Brad and Kennedy on the call as well. And we're excited to spend the evening with you. Um, I believe we're also live in the Facebook group. Uh, Kennedy, are we live in the Facebook group? Is it working? Live in the Facebook group. Is anyone on there? We have four people watching. Okay. I'll probably pick up. Very cool, very cool. Um, so we like to start these calls out with various topics, um, things that we believe will be helpful to you guys, because the only purpose of these calls is to be helpful, is to add value, uh, make everyone's lives better. You know, at Zendrop, we have a culture of making our lives better, you know, feeling good, having freedom. Um, that's why a lot of you guys are here, right? You want to create online businesses that get you the freedom to do what you want to do in your life. And we want to help make that happen. We've been very fortunate to have success in e-commerce. Um, it's changed my life tremendously. And, you know, being able to share it with other people is a big passion of mine. Uh, you know, but a lot of times people, they, they see this business and it seems so exciting right the concept of creating an online store and making money from your home or from traveling and it feels it's like it's just so exciting and then people try it and they put a little bit of effort in and then it doesn't work for them and then they stop because they're like oh well you know it was too good to be true um how many people feel like things are too good to be true they see other people doing well and and they're like oh it's just it, it doesn't work for me it's it's got to be too good to be true I can relate for sure. See, when I got started with e-commerce, you know, I got a little bit lucky. Um, you know, I've been working on businesses for years. And when I discovered drop shipping and I, I saw that you can see, you could sell products without ever seeing or touching them. To me, it was like almost too good to be true, but I gave it a shot 
And I did get a little bit lucky. My first product that I tested, it scaled from zero to $2 million in 60 days. And, you know, obviously most of you guys, that's not going to happen for you. But what I want to start the call off with is kind of what that journey feels like and what to expect and, and how to get yourself over that hump to get your first big victory or even your first small victory that will feed you so that you can keep going. Because the only way to fail in this business is to give up, right? You don't give up, you don't fail. But a lot of people give up because they get discouraged. And a lot of people have the wrong impression of the mindset they need to get that first victory. They think if they're perfectionists, they think if they make their pages look perfect, if they put a lot of effort into making their ad really good, a lot of energy into the copy, I think if they try really hard, they have a better chance of doing well. Well, the truth is, no matter how hard you try at creating your store, at putting up ads, you have really no better odds of actually succeeding. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that in life you don't need to try. I mean that if you put a bunch of effort into testing a product, into creating an ad, you know, you, you bring the product in, you video it, you, you, you edit the video, you put your heart and soul into it, you make it really beautiful, you know, you, you write that ad copy and you put it out there and then nothing happens. Well, what ends up happening is you get discouraged because you put so much energy into that product and in the end, nothing ended up happening. So the mindset that you need to get that first victory in e-commerce is rap, just rapid testing. I don't know if that's really a mindset, but that's your, your mission is rapid testing. Your mindset needs to be disattachment from the product and your mindset needs to be move on and move quick because the truth is it's going to take you 10 to 20 products of testing before any of them get traction. And if you're putting all this effort into testing 10 to 20 products, how much more energy are you going to have left? You're not going to have much, right? If you're spending all the energy on your videos or your pages after three, four, five products failing, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to start to associate all that effort that you put in with discouragement. So next time you want to put an effort, you, you, you subconsciously feel discouragement. So you're like, well, I don't want to put any more effort in because I'm just going to be discouraged again. So if you're in that boat, give me, give me a one in the chat box, actually, if you're in that boat. If you've tried a bunch of things and you just, you're like, you know, I, I don't know how much more energy I have left. All right, we're getting a bunch of ones in here. Well, give me a two if you're ready to get past that hump. If you're ready to get your first victory, give me a two. I want to see a bunch of twos in here because if you're on this call right now and you're investing your beautiful Thursday night to sit here with us, you better be giving me a two. All right, we got a lot of twos. So the mindset you need is disattachment and moving quickly, being rapid and testing and not being attached to your products because it takes 10 to 20 products to find one. So what do I mean by that? I mean... You want to, first of all, you want to get organized, right? So you want to decide what products you're going to test. You want to put all those products in a list. 
my 20 testing products. And then you want to put the least amount of effort that you could to put that product in your store and run an ad to it. Literally the least amount. I don't care if there's spelling errors. I don't care if there's grammatical errors. I don't care if the colors don't look good. I don't care if the video is horrible because sometimes the worst videos actually convert the best. So what happens is now you start rapidly testing and eventually one of these products is going to get a sale and we can get into more specifics on how to test. If you guys want to, uh, give me a one in the chat box. If you want me to go over a, a testing method for you guys. All right. Yeah. A bunch of ones. I'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. So you're rapidly testing and then eventually one thing starts getting sales. Now, what do you do? Well, now you put the effort into the product. You don't put the effort into it before it proves that it could be a winner because then you start to associate your effort with discouragement. Now, when you put your effort into the product that starts getting sales, it's going to get more sales. You start to get creative on your creatives. You start to think, how can I sell this product better? And there's, that's when you start putting your energy into those products. Once you get one that gets some sales. So, Fresh, clean slate. And I'm talking to you beginners out here. If you're more advanced, you might want to hear this too, actually. But the beginners out here that haven't had their first big break, in order to build the confidence that you actually need to keep moving forward, you need to have your first victory. And in order to have your first victory, you need to test 10 to 20 products. So the formula is list out 10 to 20 products and then put the least amount of effort into testing each of them. I'll go over a quick testing method with you guys. since a bunch of you wanted to see and please put your questions in the Q and a box so that we have a bunch of things to answer. All right. And uh, Kennedy, are we getting questions in Facebook at all that I'm not seeing on zoom and uh, forgive me guys. Cause I'm, what is our first time streaming into the group right now? No, but I'm watching them all. And if, okay. if I could just interject quickly before you go into that testing method, I think the best way to sum up everything that you just said is that the learning curve doesn't exist across time and energy. It exists across iterations. How many times can you iterate and learn something? You putting a bunch of time and energy into one thing, you're not going to get much feedback from that one thing. You're going to get one piece of feedback, right? You might get a couple. But if you can iterate 20 different times, you're going to get a 20x multiple on your knowledge, your learnings, your experience. I think that's what Jared's trying to get at, is that the learning curve is across iterations, not across time and energy. That's a great way to sum it up, Brad. Thank you. So iterations, great word. I wish I had used that, but thank you for stepping in with that word, Brad. Um, so... I'll give you guys a quick testing method that I've taught many a times on these calls. Um, it could be a refresher for some of you guys. It's a method called the lazy man testing method. And if you want videos that show you how to do this method, we have um, something called Zendrop Academy. It's in your Zendrop uh, accounts. Actually, Brad, real quick, before I dive into this method, do you mind sharing your screen and showing everyone where they can find Zendrop? If you're a Zendrop member, you have this for free. So I just want to share, show you guys uh, where it is. Yeah, just let me pull it up real quick. 
So before Brad pulls this up, we have a whole academy that was, we used to sell for thousands of dollars that you have access to for free in your uh, members area in Zendrop, right in the little, Brad will show you where it is, but we show you a bunch of different testing methods, scaling methods, product research methods, um, all the stuff that if you're a beginner and you're trying to get that first victory so you can get the confidence to keep moving forward, everything you need is right there. So if you head into your Zendrop account into the top right corner here, the little gear icon, you'll see Zendrop Academy. And if you, oh, we must have downgraded the testing account. So let me actually, let me unshare my screen and go ahead and, um, and upgrade that really quick. Sorry, guys. But anyway, if you click on that button, it'll bring you to a... Um, a, a course, the, the course that Jared's talking about. Let me just log out here and- And, yeah. uh, and the reason I'm showing you guys this course right now is because I, I, I'm the type of person that likes to look for low hanging fruit. Like what are those small actions we could take to make big progress? And I think that I could share a ton of insight with you guys, but this small action will give you guys tremendous amounts of progress. Uh, we got, uh, Ritvars, I don't know if I'm saying your name right, did not know about Zendrop Academy. Well, Brad's going to show it to you right here, um, just so you guys can see. And I, again, I, I like doing the smallest amount of actions to get the biggest amount of outcome. And if you guys are trying to get that first big victory, and, and you need to understand that you need that first victory to fuel your confidence to keep moving forward. Because if you keep getting no victories, you're going to give up eventually. So I think Zendrop Academy will give you the, the, the tools you need to get that first small victory and beyond. Okay, yeah, Antoinette doesn't know about it either. Uh, Brent doesn't know about it either. So I'm glad that we're sharing this early on. Cool, so yeah, like I said before, gear icon down to Zendrop Academy, and that will take you to this course which we've compiled over the years it's got everything from a to z so if you guys are brand new have never set up a facebook account before it shows you that whole process but then it really gets into the details of organizing facebook campaigns how the facebook algorithm works extremely important information to know to prevent your ad account from potentially getting banned or restricted in any way uh, ways to optimize conversion rate, all the stuff that you that that you'll need to to take your your store from zero to a hundred. Real real quick, yeah. Somebody just mentioned that their Facebook ads just got restricted. Um, the information on the Facebook ad policy in here is it's in depth, and you know the information in this course, uh, specifically on Facebook and their algorithm, their ad policy. It comes from a mastermind, um, a guy named Tim Bird. If you guys are in the Facebook Ad Buyers Facebook group, um, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are, Tim owns that and he does really high level masterminds. Brad and I have attended uh, a few of them and we've gotten him to actually let us put that content in here for you guys. So it, it's super valuable info. I mean, we paid uh, many thousands of dollars to be there. I don't even remember the price, but... Um, yeah, a bunch of people are saying that they didn't know about the academy and that it's awesome. So uh, glad we're showing this to you guys. Yeah, so actually, I think there's 
12 or 13 videos from Tim Burden here. And it's invaluable information. Like Jared said, we, we were already really, obviously really well-versed on all of this stuff before we went there. And we, we learned a ton. I was there taking notes like a madman. Is, is the lazy man testing method in there, Brad? No, but we have four other testing methods. The lazy man testing method is not in here, but we probably want to add that in here. Yeah, we should add that in there. Um, yeah, guys, so if you're, if you're just trying to, like, I, I just want to, before we go into questions, and there's a reason I'm so passionate about this, and it's not, it's not just for me personally, this is because I've coached at a, at a group coaching level, hundreds of students. And it, it takes one little victory to give you that fuel and that fire to keep going. And you guys are on this call for a reason. You've seen a lot of success out there. You've probably seen a lot of fake success too. And the problem with the, the fake success on, on YouTube and Instagram is that you start to believe that everything's fake. You're like, oh, like that can't be, you know, that guy's fake. So like everyone who's pretending to do well, it's a fake, so nobody can do it. Um, but there, there's a concept uh, and it's the first chapter of my book actually. And it's about outperforming your subconscious beliefs, right? So we, we, we all live in, a, in our own dream world, let's just say. And it, it's reality, but all of our realities are a little bit different. They're shaped differently based on how you grew up, based on the lessons you learned, based on the experiences you had. So your beliefs are different than mine. You, we may have similar core beliefs. We may believe that two plus two equals four, but my beliefs on what's possible is different than yours. You may believe that you could build a spaceship to fly to the moon, and I don't. That doesn't mean I can't and that you could. It just means that we have different beliefs. Now, when it comes to outperforming your beliefs, this is a really important concept. To move forward, if you guys are, haven't succeeded yet in e-commerce, you know it's possible. You've seen me, you've seen other people. So you know it's possible. You wouldn't be here if you didn't think it's possible, right? That's why you're here. But deep down, you, in your subconscious level, you don't yet believe it's possible for you. You know it's possible for you, but you don't believe it. And the key to, to this rapid testing, trying a bunch of products, jumping in Zendrop Academy and doing the shit in there is because eventually something will happen that is greater than what you believe to be possible. And you actually outperform your beliefs. So if you believe that you could make $250 a day, but anything more is kind of impossible. You know, I, I worked the job, I made $250 a day. Now, when you do this, this testing and you figure out a product that works, you're gonna have a day where you do $1,000 in sales. And that's going to shift your reality of what's possible. Now your standards are going to go up. Now, if you're doing 250 a day, that's not good anymore. It used to be good and you wouldn't strive for more, but now 250 a day is bad. You're like, oh, something's wrong. You do a thousand dollars in a day and you outperform your beliefs. And then, and the only way to outperform your beliefs is just to keep doing the things that you know you need to do until you outperform them. Then you hit a thousand a day. And you keep testing, you keep trying, you keep scaling. And a thousand a day is great for you. 250 is horrible. And then 
You hit a day where you do 5,000 in sales. Boom. Your beliefs have shifted again. Your standard has risen. Now, when you're doing 1,000 a day, that's bad. You can't do 1,000 a day. Something's wrong. What's wrong? I got to fix it. Now you're being pulled to the 5,000. You're not pushing. You're being pulled because something's wrong. I got to fix it. If you hit 250, panic mode. 250 is holy shit. I'm going out of business. But before you outperform those beliefs, 250 was your standard. And it just keeps going. I'm at a level right now where I have my beliefs. And they're way higher than they were 10 years ago. But they're nowhere near where Mark Cuban's beliefs are. Or where Jeff Bezos, no, we're not even in the stratosphere of Jeff Bezos' beliefs. But it doesn't mean it's not possible. It means you just have to keep outperforming that. So my point is, guys, to simplify is when you're first getting started, you want to put the least amount of effort in to every product that you test until something hits. Then you want to put your effort into that product until you outperform those beliefs and you raise your standard. And that's the way to get on a fast track to having success in really any business. But, you know, specifically e-commerce and dropshipping. Let's, let's go ahead and, uh, and take some questions. We've got some hands raised. Hands raised. Uh, hi, thanks for getting the opportunity. So, actually, I have two questions. Sure. Uh, first one is, uh, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, I want to know about a business plan. Uh, I I know Facebook ads very well, like digital marketing background, and I have a partner who has a big investment money. I'm following the Zendrop Academy, all that. And uh, just imagine if we found a winning product and we have like $30,000 $30, in the budget and we are like spending $2,000 a day and we have budget like for 15 days. And what, what should we do on the 16th day? Either we should reinvest the revenue or we should look for more money. Well, how um, much but, are you making on your $2,000 spend? Uh, I'm just giving you a scenario, like we have $30,000 of the budget and I'm just curious about a business plan, like what should no, be the profit ratio? You, you wouldn't spend that much money. You only spend like at most $100 or $200 a day if you're not making a return. You start spending more when your ROI on your money goes up. So if you're spending two grand a day, you should be doing at least 4,000 in sales after cost of goods of 1,000 now you're profiting a thousand a day and now you want to spend more. But if you're, if you're not making money on the money you're spending on your ads, you want to keep it to a minimum. Of course, I understand your scenario. I'm, uh, of course, when we are spending like $2,000, of course, we are making like $5,000 in revenue. That's the of course scenario. I'm just lo looking for the ideal projections that we should expect in the profit ratio and uh, what should we expect in a winning product. Yeah, so there's kind of two ways to look at this. There are, so, okay, that's a, that's a good question. So a lot of people want to just scale as high volume as they could. Like, you know, you're doing, you're spending 2000 a day to make five. The reality is when you spend more, your ROI starts to go down. So maybe you start spending 10 grand a day. That doesn't mean you're going to make 25. You might do 16 or 17, right? But, you know, then you get to spending 20 grand a day and let's say you're doing 35K a day in revenue. Now your volume goes up and your margins decrease, right? If you're making a little bit more money 
overall with smaller margins, let's say you're spending 10 grand a day and you're doing 15 K in sales and your cost of goods are four. That means you made a thousand dollars, but you could also spend $2,000 do 4,000 in sales and your cost of goods are 1,000. You also made a thousand dollars. Do you understand? Are you following me so far? Yeah, I'm following it. So, so you would actually want to be in the scenario of spending less with a higher margin because then you get less exposure. Your product doesn't get saturated as quickly. You have less uh, salaries for customer support, less refunds, less chargebacks, uh, less risk. So you want to try to be in that 20 to 40% profit margin. And once you start scaling to a point where you're down by like that five, 10, 15% profit margin, you want to scale back until your profit margin increases. Because remember, when you spend more money, your profit margin gets slimmer, although the volume gets bigger. So your overall profits might be the same or a little bit bigger. You want to stay in that 20 to 40% profit margin range. Mm -hmm. So another question that is really linking to this uh, theory, like uh, even if we are able to scale at this stage, uh, what, what should be the indicator that we should stop making money on a product like we are just making money, making profitable for two months? And, uh, you know, at that stage, we might be spending like $10,000 a day. And even if on one day, we just uh, not able to do the break even, we, we will be definitely losing the money, losing, losing the profits that we have earned. So what should be the critical point that we should use a filter to stop at? Like we should don't need to spend more money on this. Yep. So every product has a life cycle. This is why brands make new product lines. This is why companies innovate, right? So every, uh, this is a good point. Every product has a life cycle. Um, typically with drop shipping, your life cycle is going to be anywhere from like two months to a year. Um, I sold single products for over a year and made profit with them. But what happens is once your, your profits start diminishing, you have to start testing uh, other creatives and other angles to sell that product. And eventually if you start losing money for, you know, a week or two weeks in a row, it, you just got to cut it and move on to the next product. But if you're making money like that, you should also be testing, you know, with that kind of money, you could, you could be testing 50 products a week and hire a media buyer on Upwork to launch all your ads for you. So you have more winning products in the pipeline. So you don't want to be caught with your pants down. You know, you want to always have winning products coming. So the, the, the moral, the, the lesson here is that when you have a winning product, keep testing other ones. And then once it starts losing money for a week or two, move on to the next one. So we should wait for at least one week with like, we are spending on $5,000 a day. So wait for one week if we are just below the break even. Yeah, but test other creatives in different angles, right? Okay. Like maybe just try the maybe just try the Pinterest ads, Google ads, and the other ads platforms as well. You, you can definitely do that as well. But even on Facebook, like try new videos, new photos, um, and try selling, you know, similar versions, similar products to that, to the same audiences. You can find other winners pretty easily like that. Yeah, that was so nice of you. And the questions are answered really uh, in a well manner. Thank you. Thank you for jumping up here.
Should we take a few of the questions in the chat box? And we got a couple other hands raised. Yeah, um, Teddy's been waiting for a second, so let's call him on really fast. Hey, what's right. up, Teddy? All right, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, cool. So when you first started talking, like I totally get like what you're saying about like testing a bunch of products and stuff. And uh, cause I've been in that boat where like I get emotionally attached to one and then like you get burnt out after like it doesn't work and you just kind of get sick of the process. But like, I've always like uh, been like a supporter of like uh, the whole branding experience and like developing a one product store, like especially like with Scott Hilsey's like view on um, what one product stores and like the branding around it. So like, what like what's your like um viewpoint on like testing on a general and then finding that one product that may be like working and then like transitioning it into a one product store to like build a brand around it yeah um definitely recommend that way uh i actually don't like one product stores i do like branded stores so like for example if you're selling um let's say a glow in the dark dog leash, right? And that's your mm -hmm. one product. You should also have other dog products on there because A, you want to upsell people other products. B, you want to email market people other products. C, you want to retarget your existing customers with other products. D, you want to target look like audiences of your customers with other products. So you want to, you want to test with the general store. And then if you do feel the need, you build a niche store, you could have a flagship product that, and that flagship product could be what you spend all your money on ads with, you know, what it's on the, the landing page of your, uh, of your website, right? That's your flagship. That's where you're getting all the traffic for, but you should also have other products in that niche because otherwise you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, got it. That makes a lot of sense. It's just like, like when I look at some of the general stores, just like on Google or something, if I'm looking up like a trending product, it's just kind of like a lot of like their eggs are spread into different baskets. So like their product pages may be like lacking in like appearance or structure and like kind of takes away from the whole branding experience. So that's why I just wanted to know like um, when to like transition into like a one product. But yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the question. It makes sense to, I would say, to transition once you find that flagship product and use the data from that to, to sell other products that are similar to, to a similar customer base or using the data from your pixel. You yeah, to, for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There's some good questions coming in the Q&A box. Kaid, I'm sorry if I got your name wrong. I uh, hope I got it right. But asked a good three-parter so i think we could take all three of these so they're good questions uh firstly said hey guys love these live calls and the value provide i'm always listening through spotify in my car awesome yeah if you guys don't know that the all these calls are recorded they're on our podcast they're on our youtube channel you can listen on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you like to listen to podcasts so if you miss one one week there's also tons of other content that we're releasing so definitely check out the podcast but the first question that Kaid asks is how do I deal with negative comments and comments from customers on my Facebook ads saying that my products can be sourced elsewhere at a cheaper price? Um, so you could hire a, a virtual assistant or you could do it yourself to hide or reply to those comments sort of up to you. 
I would I would reply to most of them because Facebook doesn't like it when you just hide all the comments that are uh, that, that your ads are getting. Um, and you you can hide some of the negative ones and you could also uh, highlight certain keywords that you want Facebook to automatically block from your posts. So there's a you could just quickly Google search how to do that. It's pretty easy. The second question he asked is, I understand a lot of entrepreneurs don't recommend going to college if you want to start up your own business, but I would, if I was to go to college to study marketing, would that help me run a successful dropshipping business? I think, and I, I'll let Jared or Kennedy chime in after I give my two cents, but I've never been to college to study marketing, so I can't fully answer the question. My My gut reaction tells me that you'll you'll get a lot more from just doing something on your own. They're not going to specifically teach you anything that's relevant to dropshipping. I don't think there's any courses that cover that in college or really digital marketing to any real high level in a, you know, a college marketing course. I think most of the stuff they're teaching is probably slightly outdated. So I would say that if to answer the question, probably not. I would say you go to college to get out of your house. You know, you go to college to experience life, to meet people, to learn how to learn, to learn how to prepare for tests, to get some life experience. Is it going to help you with a dropshipping store? It might teach you some responsibility. You know, it might teach you some structure. Um, but you're going to learn a lot more on calls like this about dropshipping than you are going to learn in college. I don't think that uh, wanting to be successful in dropshipping business should have any correlation with your decision to go to college. And that's, that's a totally separate decision. Um, these days, marketing is so rapidly adaptable um, with how quickly social media has become a massive part of people's marketing strategies and how quickly social media changes on a daily basis. College courses can't keep up. So yeah, if you want to go learn the basics of, you know, the language of marketing, go take a Udemy course, go take a course that you could pay 20 bucks for. You're going to learn the same thing you would learn in a university. But to Jared's point, we're not knocking college. We're not saying there's no life experience in going to college, but do not surround your entire success in dropshipping on a degree in marketing because life experience in the field is going to be way more of a service to you. That's a really good point. College is tends to be antiquated information and it's extremely overpriced. So I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it to answer your question. Is it going to help you run a successful dropshipping business? I think the answer is pretty clear cut. No. Yeah. Yeah, Bottom line, follow your heart, follow your intuition. No matter what path you take in life, you're going to end up in a more beautiful place than you are now. So. Yep. It's a good point. So guys, raise your hand if you want to come up and ask, any questions live? I'm going to read Kaid's last question here. Um, do you guys have any podcasts that you would recommend listening to? Anything along the lines of entrepreneurship, dropshipping, marketing, or even mindset? Yeah, so this is a topic that I'm very well versed in. I love listening to podcasts. So I can give you a couple just off the top of my head that are a couple of my favorites. I think Gary Vee has a really good podcast. There's just the volume of content that he's producing is pretty insane. There's one every day. And so I think that's a good place to start if you don't already listen to him. Tim Ferriss is another incredible podcast. He has some amazing guests on and he is himself a super brilliant guy. 
and uh, really just like it's a joy to listen to his podcast. And there's one other podcast that I'd recommend off the top of my head. It's called Naval, uh, the prolific tech investor Naval Ravikant has a podcast. He doesn't release very much content, but he's a very profound dude. The, the The content that he does release is really really powerful. So it's just Naval N A V A L. I would definitely recommend that one. Ritvars has raised his or her hand. So let's take that question. How you doing? Hi, guys. Uh, hi, yeah. Appreciate your podcast. Uh, this is probably the third one I'm looking at and uh, really love Zendrop uh, as a platform and I'm eager to start. My question is going to be quick. Um, I've got an intention to launch my store more like as of a supermarket, um, something probably similar to like Walmart uh, or something of that stance by being able to offer consumer goods, electronics, a bit of clothing, uh, and also IT professional equipment like servers. And I just wonder how all that mixes all together, let's say, if the store would have 40 distinct categories. Would you support uh, massive stores like this? Thank you. Can you just repeat the end of that question real quick? I don't think I, I, I heard the question. Basically saying, like, does this work? Do, do these massive stores work? To answer your question, you don't want to look at it this way. The, the angle you want to approach this question from is you got to think about traffic, right? Stores make money from traffic. Stores make money from people coming to your store to purchase. So if you have a store with a thousand different products on it, fine. doesn't mean anything. What matters is how are you driving traffic? What ends up happening is one or two or three of those products over time are the ones that you could profitably spend money on getting people to your store to buy products. And then if you want it to be a shopping experience, a supermarket, a Walmart type experience, you have to make it very shoppable, right? You have to have really good email marketing, uh, segmenting your customers based on what they purchased, target with them with other similar products. If somebody came in, if you're selling a, you know, a, um, a woman's clothing item, you know, you don't want to email them about, you know, men's hiking boots, right? Because they're not going to buy it. So if you do have uh, a sophisticated uh, store, with a lot of products, you do want to have segmentation based on like customer profiles, uh, which you can do in your email marketing softwares. But the angle you want to look at this, I don't, I don't want to complicate it, is that you may have a thousand products, but one of them is what you're going to send ads to that are people are going to come to your store. So it allows you to test a lot of products and find those winners. Um, I think general stores like that work great. I'm, I'm a fan. Really good question from Marvin in the Q&A box. He says, you guys are talking big bucks for advertising. What is your advice for the little guy or the beginner who has a very limited budget? This is a great question. And you know, the, the numbers that Jared's referring to, they're, they're sort of just abstract numbers, just as examples of, you could think of the same scenarios that he's laying out at a much smaller proportion you know, with smaller numbers, we're just talking about KPIs. But my advice would just be to get started with whatever you're comfortable with, even if it's $5 a day, even if it's $3 a day, you're, you're going to be able to start learning and start gathering that experience. And then you can still find some traction at that small stage, you're just going to get a lot less feedback, but you're still going to be getting started. You can yeah. use whatever you're comfortable with. I got started with like 50 bucks a day 
Um, but bottom line, the more you spend, the faster you're going to test and the faster you're going to find winners. But that's still the more you spend. So like Brad said, you could start with five bucks a day, 10, 20, but it's going to take you longer to find success that way. So, you know, if you don't have any money or you're really, really broke, I mean, I'd suggest a job and like, you know, maybe setting aside a small budget towards testing. You guys can keep raising your hands if you want to come up and talk to us. Um, this one's quick. In, Zen, in Zendrop Academy, do we cover KPIs you should be watching for during testing new products? Yeah, extensively. There are there are several videos breaking down sort of what you're looking for in the early stages of a campaign, how to basically how to how to tell what kind of story that that data that is appearing on your Facebook ads manager is telling you because it's, you know, the, the metrics are there for a reason, right? They're telling you a story of what's happening and we show you how to set up all the columns, what metrics you need to pay attention to, what's a good metric, what's a bad metric and how to analyze it. So yes. Good one. Okay. This one's good. And, um, do you have, what's your view on putting effort into SEO to drive organic traffic or do you plow through money for Facebook ads? Um, SEO is a, a long-term play. Uh, it's not high volume. You know, if you're selling a very niche product, like magnetic eyelashes, for example, um, you know, you can use SEO for that, but SEO is more like if you have a branded store, a long-term store, you're not testing a lot of products. Uh, and when you say plow through money, it's not, you're not plowing through money. You're, you're just investing it and taking money out. Like even if you're spending five grand a day, and you're getting a, you know, a 1.2 X return on your money, you're getting, you know, six or seven K out after you're only losing a little bit of money. You're not spending five grand a day. So don't look at it that way. You gotta look at it as an investment. And if you are losing money, you're investing in data. So, um, that's how you gotta look at it. And SEO is long-term play. How do you deal with Facebook inconsistencies? Uh, Teddy, I'd love to know more about what you. The game. <laughs> Very dramatic. <laughs> part of the game. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're dealing with an extremely complex ecosystem in Facebook. It's actually incredible that it could be even remotely consistent in any aspect. You're dealing with billions of people, and. I don't even I don't even know the 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 actual number for the amount of data points. I'm sure it's billions of billions of billions of data points. And so it just comes with the territory. They're constantly iterating on their product, you know, their ad product and making adjustments so that it can be become more consistent hopefully, but you're just always going to deal with those inconsistencies. So like Jared said, it's just part of the game. I'll, I'll give you a little tip. Um and this is not like proven any like written anywhere. This is just from my experience. Uh, the more you tinker with your ads, the more you change things, duplicate things, create new ads, pause ads, all that stuff, the better they perform. If you find good performing ads and you just set it and forget it, you might as well forget your profits because they're 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 going away. So you wanna you wanna optimize your ads on a daily basis create new, duplicate some, turn some off. I don't know what it is. Again, it's not proven, but whenever, you know, 
we mess with ads, change ads, tweak things, we see traction. There are a couple of questions coming into the chat that are good too. Um, so are there any options for assistant with order, assistance with orders on, on the Zendrop inventory? And then following up to that, do we offer custom packaging? So I'm not exactly sure what the first question means. If maybe if you want to clarify that in the chat box, Matt, so we can answer that better. The second question, we do offer custom packaging. Typically there's an MOQ, which is a minimum order quantity required for custom packaging. But if you're interested in custom packaging, definitely contact our support team. They can help you out, get you a quote for, for your custom packaging based on which product you want to sell, what kind of custom packaging you want. So definitely contact our support team for that one. Um, we actually have a couple of hands, uh, a couple of hands being raised now. So real quick. Okay, fine. Hey Debbie. Oh, okay. Um, I loaded a project, uh, a product, I should say, um, way back in the beginning before I even used Zendrop. It came directly from AliExpress, AliExpress, and I probably downloaded it through Oberlo. And it was a dog blanket or something like that. Um, and I see you have it um, on your product list right now. I received a letter from Shopify saying it was like a cease and desist. They took it down. And I think it was from Best Friends um, uh, Animal Sanctuary saying, oh, this is, you stole a picture from us and it was from our um, you know, website or something like that. And you have to take it down and blah, blah, blah. And they took it down. Um, I went to Best Friends Animal Sanctuary to see if I could find the picture and I didn't see anything like it. But I mean, how do you know when you're downloading a prod product if the pictures were taken from another site or something like that? And like I said, I just looked and it's on your product. Um, you, don't, you don't know until, unless you do extensive research and everything you sell, you don't know. Um, most of the time it's not going to happen, but it could happen, you know. Um, but you know, worst case scenario, you just take it down and sell something else. That's the beauty of drop shipping. You have no invested money in the inventory and nothing attached and you just continue to sell it. I mean, there was no logo or anything on any of the pictures. And like I said, I went to best friends to see if I could find that picture or that product and it wasn't anywhere. It's probably not worth the time, you know, or the yeah. money. It's not worth fighting it. Or you don't well, have to, it's, yeah, it's not worth fighting it most of the time. Well, just to let you know, though, you do have it on your product, on your product list. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have also sent you a cease and desist letter without actually owning the IP. I mean, people do that, too. It's it's the, so it's kind of the Wild West out there sometimes. Well, it seemed like a kind of very unprofessional letter that was written. But, you know, Shopify sent it to me and took the product down. They, Shopify took it down. Yeah, you could fight it. But again, it, you just might as well just move on to the next product. That's yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't really going to fight it, but I was just wondering, how do you ever know that the pictures that you're putting on there from drop shipping, no. you don't, right? No. no. There's no way to know. Okay. Just checking. Well, thank you for the question, Debbie. Yeah. I wish I don't have any other answer for you, unfortunately. Well, there's actually a really good question that just came in the chat. Uh, Antonique asked, um, he said, it feels, I feel like I'm losing money on ads because I haven't had any sales yet, but I have had about six abandoned carts. Not quite sure what the data is telling me. The data is telling you that there's some sort of friction between when people add something to your cart and when they go to put their credit card information in your website. That's exactly what the data is telling you. So 
my first inclination goes to your shipping price. Maybe your shipping price is super high. Maybe the product's $15 and the shipping price is $9.99 and people are abandoning cart once they go into the checkout flow and they, they see the shipping price. That's probably what I would try to change first to see if that impacts your conversion rate at all. And then other than that, you know, you got to think of, have you gone through the checkout flow and actually purchased the product? Maybe there's something technically wrong on that end. I've screwed that up a few times myself and you don't actually realize it until you go actually place a test order. So go through the whole flow and, and make sure that it's all working. Yeah. And those are great points, Brad. Um, but in reality, the, the amount of data you have is so small that it actually doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, you could have had six purchases or none with six data points. If you had, you know, 75 abandoned cards and no purchases, that means there's probably something wrong. But a lot, the, the, the reason I say that is not to point out the obvious. It's more so because a lot of people uh, overanalyze data and don't take action because of it. They're like, I have to figure this out before I take the next action. But it's like, there's nothing to figure out. Uh, I'm not a big data guy at all. I'm a rapid fire, look at the money, make my decisions based on that kind of guy. Eventually, occasionally I'll analyze data and make decisions on it. But unless you're spending substantial money uh, and have enough data to look at, like don't put like 12% of your energy into it. Don't put too much. It's a good, yeah, it's a really good point. You know, people do use that, tend to use that as sort of the, an excuse not to take the next action. I think sometimes it is a very small data set. You're looking at six data points, right? Data data sets only become reasonably accurate. And when you're talking about thousands of data points, so looking at six, very small data set, like Jared said, you could have had six purchases, you could have had zero. At that point, it's kind of too small to tell. But uh, real quick, he just asked a quick follow up question, what's a reasonable shipping price? I mean, kind of all relative, I don't know what you're selling the product for, but I tend to like testing with free shipping. That way, you know, you're, you're sort of eliminating one variable in the process, right? Because now there's no friction at checkout. Uh, no one's going to bounce because of the, the shipping price. Yeah, you, you always want to test with like lower prices, lower shipping prices, anything to make sure the conversion rates as high as it could see if you get any traction. And then you start making the prices a little higher, testing other prices. You could literally test the product half the price you want to sell for, no shipping, get a bunch of sales, literally create another product on Shopify, exact same product, import it from Zendrop again, twice the price and run ads to that and see what the, the difference is in conversion rate. And that's how you can test prices too. Yeah, that's another really good point. It's good to test products at a little bit lower than you might want to sell them for both product price and shipping price. It's, it's, there's multiple benefits. Number one is you're going to get some confidence. You're going to get some sales. And you're also feeding your pixel sales data, which Facebook loves. It's going to increase your, um, your, your, your place in the auction. Um, we got another hand raised. Ed. Hey, David, what's up? Hey, thanks guys for having this call tonight. Um, I just had a quick question that I'd love to get your opinion on about how you stayed motivated and focused like when you were first starting out, was it, um, did you have a system or 
a certain goal or a mentor maybe um, like what kept you disciplined in taking the consistent action through the ups and downs when you were early on? I think in the beginning, it's a lot easier to be motivated and focused. Once you get like beat down a bunch of times, it gets much harder. Um, but you don't really get those breakthroughs until you like really reach those lows. Um, I, for me, one of the things is like knowing that and it's, it's just like from experience, like for every low, there's kind of, there's a high. So whenever I'm going through a low phase, I kind of get excited. because I'm like, oh, next is going to be a high. And then when I get to a high, I'm like, uh-oh, next is going to be a low. And then I get excited again. It kind of brings me back up. But like when I first got started, I was like, I was like stupid and energetic. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like trying a bunch of shit and had a bunch of confidence I probably shouldn't have had. Uh, but I think just knowing that when you're at a low, uh, that a high is coming is, is a good uh, good little tip. Yeah, for me, it was trying to surround myself with like-minded people. Because if you're trying to do this thing, any anything you're trying to do, and the people around you are not on the same wavelength or they're negative or shooting holes in, in every idea that you have, it becomes really discouraging, especially if you really value those people's opinions. That's going to seep into your mental space. That's going to become your opinion. So for me, it was super important for me. Like I wasn't even discussing what I was doing with anyone that I thought may think negatively of it. I just wasn't talking to them about it. And I was only talking about it to people that I felt like would provide me with at least some sort of encouragement. Yeah. And, 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 and to that point, like the, the harsh reality is like the people, even people that really love you and care about you, like they, they actually, part of them doesn't want to see you do well. And it's because they want to feel like they made the right choice, not taking that same risk that you took. So if you fail, they're like, oh, good thing I didn't take that risk. And if you succeed, they're like, I made the wrong choice. So even if they love you and care about you, part of them doesn't want you to succeed. And you don't want to invite that energy into your world. At least for me, I don't like to invite that, invite that energy. So like Brad said, like a lot of times when you're starting something new, you want, you want to shout about it. You're so excited. You want to tell everyone about it. But what you're doing is you're, you're like dampening that fire that's inside of you. You're telling everyone and everyone's energy is kind of mixing with yours. And it, for, for me, I like to just, if something's going well, I'm not talking about it at all. Literally like right when things go well, I'm like only like my very close circle of people know about it. I'm like, we're not telling anyone about this until, you know, months from now. So I think that's a really good point. All right. That's really helpful. Yeah. And uh, that's why this call is so important. I appreciate y'all taking the time to do that because it's getting around you know, y'all are really helping us out with the, uh, the mindset that it takes to be successful. So yeah, thanks again. Thanks for joining David. We, I think I've seen your name on here a bunch of times. So thank you for hopping on. Yeah. Thank you for the great question. Um, we got a couple more minutes here, guys. Uh, we got a couple more questions. If anyone else wants to jump on last minute, feel free to raise your hand. Otherwise, uh, we'll go through a few more questions and then I'm going to go eat dinner and relax because I'm freaking hungry. Teddy asked another really good question before we wrap it up here. Uh, if all 
three of you could go back in time when you first started out drop shipping, what would be the number one thing that you'd do differently to reach your first breakthrough faster? Um, I don't think I could have reached my first breakthrough faster. Yeah. Well, I got lucky. with, with, with drop shipping for sure. Like Jared, the first product Jared tested drop shipping absolutely crushed. But like I always say, on these calls, it was all the experience prior to that from the years of, of grinding and doing different things and learning that really allowed you to take advantage of that opportunity. For me, it would be definitely giving up on like having no belief in the sunken cost theory, like giving up any sort of attachment that I had to anything that had a little bit of traction that I thought was gonna, I was going to be able to make it work that I just kept dumping money into. Um, one of the first products I tested had like thousands of sales on it, but I just could never make it profitable. And I remember asking Jared what I should do about it. Like when I first started drop shipping and he was like, stop selling this product. And I was like, that like crushed me. Yeah. It was the best advice that he could have given me. I'm far newer to the dropshipping industry than these two, but I will say that I think one concept that I wish I would have learned sooner and listened to sooner just in marketing in general is trying not to be perfectionistic and launching fast and refining later. Um, so often, just like what Brad was saying, like you get so upset personally about things that might happen negatively in your business. Um, or you work so hard on it and you feel so like you want it to be as perfect as possible. But this game, the dropshipping game is not a perfectionistic game. It's a numbers game and it's, and it's actively getting as many products in your store as possible. So that's what yeah. I people think that their, their time is like this, they put it on a pedestal. Like it's, it's the most valuable thing. Like, obviously all of our time is extremely valuable, right? You know, you never get it back. But that sort of mentality leads to the sunken cost theory where it's like, I've spent a bunch of time on this. Therefore, I deserve to get something out of it. Like the world doesn't owe you anything. And it's not going to give you something just because you spent a bunch of time on it. So it's better to just move on. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, honestly, for, for me, it's like, I, I think getting in touch with who you are and understanding yourself is really important. Like I know my strengths and weaknesses pretty well at this point and I make decisions based on them. Um, you know, one of my things is that I am really creative, but I have very limited creative energy. So it's like really potent, but it goes away really quickly. So if I'm like, if I were to answer customer support emails, I'll be taking a nap in like 28 minutes. Like I can't do it. But, and, and then, and then it, it dampens me. So like when I go to work on something more important, I'm just like, Ugh. but so for me, it's like, get that off my plate. And I like to focus on things high level. I like to step back and like, look at things holistically and figure out how to be more efficient. So I would say, you know, fig, see your business holistically and decide on a plan. Don't just jump in each day and like, I'm gonna do this today. I'm gonna do that tomorrow. I'm gonna take today off. No, here's my one month plan. All right, I'm going to test one product every day. Here's the list of every product I'm gonna test. 
I'm going to hire this person to launch my ads every day for $15 because I know it dampens my creative energy. And once that, once one product gets five sales, I'm going to jump in and tweak the ads and, and have that structure and put on blinders. Like, cause there's so much junk, like so much distractions and junk. And another thing is like, you know, just be careful what you're consuming. Uh, cause again, we have limited energy. So like, and we live in a scrolling world. We live in a world of addiction and technology. So for me, when I first got started, I, I'd probably put on blinders. Uh, I would not be on social media because there's really no benefit. There, there's almost no benefit unless your personal brand is how you make your money. Like even seeing these pages of, of really you know, rich people, what's happening is you're, you're seeing all these things that you think you want. You think it's motivating you. But in reality, it's just attracting the feeling of wanting things that you don't have. So you keep getting things you don't have. So there's, I, I would disconnect from all the bullshit. I would decide I'm not talking to anyone that I know about my business unless they are doing it and have done it better than me. And I would make a holistic plan and I would play on my strengths only. That's what I would do. It's a great point. Seems like a pretty good place to wrap this call up. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Well, real quick, real quick. I want this call to be more like a family. So if you're going to join us on the next call, put a one in the chat box and we're going to hold you to it. I like that. All right, we're getting, we're getting a bunch of ones. I want we got 111. I want I want a lot of these ones, guys, because you know the more the beauty of these calls is not that I'm I'm smart or Brad's smart or Kennedy's smart. Maybe Brad and Kennedy are, but not that I'm smart. The beauty of these calls is that you're taking an hour and you're learning and you're working on yourself. What what like you're being selfish and you're learning, which is beautiful. There's not many other opportunities throughout the week to jump on and do something good for yourself. So we really appreciate you guys. It fuels us to have these conversations too. You know, as much as we're doing it for you, we're doing it for ourselves too. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us on this Thursday evening and uh, can't wait to see you guys on the next call. Thank you guys. Yeah, we, do, we do these calls every, almost every Thursday um, at the same time. So we'll see you guys on the next one. See you guys.